This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Learn from thousands of creative classes taught by experts and professionals. Sign up using the link in our Insta bio or the episode notes for a free 30-day trial. Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we dive deep into the topic of colorism with Swana Rajalingam, aka the life of a social butterfly. We talk about the meaning and history of colorism, how it manifests in our societies, our experiences with colorism, and what we can do to help in our small way to counteract this issue. This was such a super insightful conversation, and we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed chatting with Swana. Let's get into it. Swarna, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, You have truly been on our list of people that we wanted to interview since we started back in December. And we know you're very busy, so thank you for joining us on a rainy Tuesday afternoon or evening. Thanks for having me. I couldn't have picked a better way to spend my rainy Tuesday afternoon. (laughs) Um, Before we jump in, for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know who you are, could you tell us a bit about yourself? So my name is Swana, but my alter ego or my pseudonym on social media is The Social Butterfly. Um, I am essentially a digital content creator. I specialize in talking about topics that people don't like talking about in the South Asian community. So I'm all about talking about taboo topics, talking about um, disability. I've got a little brother with cerebral palsy. Um, I try to make my content quite relatable. So even if it's a serious topic, I like to bring it down and make it very relatable, entertaining. Mm. Um, I use fashion and I'm very passionate about talking about body positivity. I've also got my own podcast. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Have I actually edited my episodes? No, but I'm going to have to pick these guys brains to like get that back and running. So um, yes, I guess I could call myself a podcaster, YouTuber, content creator um i'm also working on my own book documentary and a couple of other things but um the list yeah. just goes on, everything. And on. Yeah. <laughs> i know we're gonna have to come back to a few of those things in a bit yeah but you do so much great work um not only for young south asians but for all people to help kind of challenge some of the stigmas in our culture and overcome that as well. Um, But I guess for today's episode, what we really wanted to focus with you is the topic of colorism. Um, So for those who may not be familiar with what it is, how would you define colorism? So uh, my interpretation of colorism is basically discriminating against someone purely based on their skin complexion. Mm. The best way to look at it is colorism is the cousin or sibling of racism. And if I was to create a small analogy, let's take, for example, there's Romy and myself and we're being cast for a show, but Romy gets chosen over me purely because she has a lighter complexion to me. It doesn't matter what ethnic background that person casting us is from. Mm. They don't have to be from our community because mm. I used to understand it as discrimination within your own community, by your own community, for your complexion. Mm. But right. that's not necessarily it. It can be someone of another background purely picking Romy over me because her complexion is lighter. That's colorism. Whereas racism is, let's say there's myself and a European lady, but the European lady gets chosen because she's a white lady, not because of her complexion, her ethnic background, Mm. that's racism. So that's sort of the difference between colorism and racism. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a really good summary because in my head, I always thought about how 
colorism is only an issue within certain ethnic yeah. groups. So yeah. that's a really good way to put it in context. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess um, as we dive into this topic, we thought it'd be really useful and important to look at colorism from a historical lens as well, right? Like where did its roots come from, particularly in South Asia and in India? Um, so could you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to address the roots of it because it's really hard to actually eradicate colorism if we're not going to understand the roots behind yeah. it. So I'm just going to talk to my understanding of it, but I think there's so much more context out there. So this is me purely based on my research. But if we're going to look at India, for example, um, India was colonized by the British people and mm. they perpetuated the idea that they're superior people and everybody around them needs to listen to them because they're white, they're lighter skinned. And so they perpetuated the idea that lighter skinned people are actually the more powerful ones, the more intelligent ones mm. and, and validated them. So even if you were of Indian descent if you had lighter skin you were actually given preference mm -hmm. by the british in india so they had restaurants they had events they had jobs that people of lighter skin in india were given more priority mm. um, and then if you look at casteism or even slavery you know there's this whole idea around people that were less off were out out on the farms yeah you know in and the in the sun and yeah. so they were darker and obviously the rich people were inside their homes and they had all these servants and slaves to do their jobs for them and i guess this applies to not just india or sri lanka but it also applies to africa and slavery and all that's happened around that and so i can definitely link it back to colonization mm. but i was doing a little bit of reading the other day and i read a little bit about um the mughals yeah. um, the portuguese i think yeah who um, came to India and obviously they were also perpetuating the idea that lighter skin is better than darker skin. I don't know too much about it, but this is just something that I've read. But yeah. I think that's kind of where it stems from. Another thing I also wanted to point out is I think it's so important for us to really acknowledge the black community when it comes to colorism mm. because without the black community, we wouldn't even have terminology to describe this concept or even have any kind of understanding or depth behind this Yeah. Um, Alice Walker. She was the one that coined the term colorism. Mm -hmm. And she's a black woman who brought this word to life and like studied it and truly explored it. Um, and I think the black community has really driven this whole thing around colorism and fighting against colorism and given the rest of us like South Asians and all these other communities that are affected by it, um, some kind of a voice. And I think it's super, super important for us to address that as well. For sure. My um, recommendation from a couple of episodes ago was a show called Blackish. Yeah. And they have an episode where they unpack colorism in this really interesting way. Mm -hmm. So basically, in this African-American family, half of them are light-skinned uh, coming from the genetics of their mom, while the other half are darker coming from the genetics of their dad. And the whole episode is them not understanding the challenges of each other, mm -hmm. despite the fact that they're all black. Yeah. Um, so yeah. for example, the dark-skinned members of the family felt like the light-skinned members had it easier because they fit into a white world easier than them because of things like light skin privilege. Mm. But their point is that that doesn't mean that they don't still face discrimination themselves, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. they're seen as black yeah. by white people, but they're not seen as, you know, really... As, as black. As black, by their yeah, community. by their own community, in, in, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think exactly. that applies for even our community. Yeah. You know, there are some, you know, super light-skinned um, Tamil people that yeah. are not seen as a Tamil, and they're like, oh, are you actually Tamil? I thought you were North Indian. And it's said in such a glorifying way. Yeah. And a lot of them 
actually want to be identified as where they're actually mm. from. Yeah. This is why we always have to address intersectionality because like everybody has such unique experiences yeah. Yeah. based exactly. on the formula that makes yeah. up them. Exactly. Yeah. And like to what you were just saying before, looking at India's history as well, um, they were consistently colonized by, to your point, the Mughals, the British, the Portuguese. So it's this consistent rhetoric of there's people lighter skin than us taking over and yeah, taking control. The oppressors. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So they are sort of that superior, yeah. you know, yeah. Because apparently before they came into India, like even if you look at the Mahabharata and stuff, yeah. there is actual real representation of darker yeah. skin people. Yeah. Like I have my own thoughts about this when it comes to like the way our goddesses and gods are yeah. portrayed. But pre-colonization, mm. I don't think it was as bad because the North, look like the north and the south look like the south and like india is just like this array of brown you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. different shades and it literally just depends where you are in relation to the equator yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. you're closer to it you're darker because like yeah. it's hotter there it yeah. doesn't snow there like your skin is lighter like yeah. it's literally exactly yeah. you you read my mind going to the point about the mahabharata because yeah. there's no discrimination in India, based on color, up until colonialism. Yeah. Um, if you going back to your example about the Mahabharata, Krishna in Sanskrit, the word Krishna means, means black, dark, dark black. Yeah. or dark. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, exactly. Draupadi in the Mahabharata is portrayed as being dark and yeah. this like really beautiful woman. Yeah. But every depiction I've seen across it in my life, it's Krishna is light skin blue, blue. Yep. and yeah. Draupadi is pale. Yeah. White, right? Yeah. Um, and even like thinking about the Ramayana with um, Rama being from like an Aryan heritage yeah. yep. and Ravanan yeah. being Dravidian, betraying exactly. that, you know, the hero is light skinned, the yeah. villain is really dark skinned. Yep. So all of these things mm. were kind of manipulated over time yep. to like push this agenda that, you know, if you're white, you're better. If you're not, yeah. you're worse. That's it. You're, yeah. le you're less intelligent, you you're less morally sound exactly yeah and like even like years and years after um india got its independence that idea just stayed because people just became so brainwashed by it It yeah. just yeah. like it got ingrained and unfortunately same thing happened in sri lanka as well yeah we also see it take shape historically in many other parts of the world like um you know take china or korea for example dating back yeah. to feudal times you know people who were indoors because they were from a higher class mm. yeah they didn't spend a lot of time in the sun, which means they stayed light-skinned. The people who worked in the fields who were poorer were more tan. Were more tan. Exactly. So generationally, that yeah. class system kind of ingrained that colorism yeah. ideology it as well. Kind of correlating intertwined. With it's yeah. all intertwined, really. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many different factors that contributed to colorism. I don't think there was like one thing that led to it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So we know that colorism is an issue that still exists. Looking at South Asia in particular, how do you see it manifesting in today's world? Yeah, it's definitely manifested in its own ways and definitely manifests through media and the lack of representation. Like if you take Tamil movies, for example, mm. um, I'm not going to get into the male actors because I think the intersectionality there and like I'm not here to say that the men in our community don't experience colorism, but I don't think it's as crazy mm. intense as what the females are subjected to. But if you look at our movies and you look at our films, like how many dark skin heroines do we have? Or how many of them are portrayed as dark? Because yeah. some of them are tan, but then they shine so much light and yeah. apply so much makeup, makeup to make them look brighter and lighter. So it obviously manifests through the films that we see. And it even just happens in like, even in Tamil school, like the way that, you know, I was always shoved to the back, like when I'm performing for like Kalavla and things like that. Wow. You know, as oh you can goodness. tell, I love being in front of the camera. I'm very talkative, <laughs> but 
My confidence was knocked from a very young age. Barry, the night of your performances, you'll never ever catch me being an Amman or a queen or whatever characters that we had mm. to do in Barry, the night or when we had to do uh, Ramayana or Mahabharatam. I was cast as a guy and I was never given like female characters even oh because I was so much darker when I was younger as well. I was always in the sun and I have no qualms about that, but that's how I was treated. So it still happens till this day and I'm sure there are other 12-year-old girls at Tamil school and Bharatanatya classes and Sangi the classes that are just automatically put to the back. Mm, yeah, that's, that's crazy. insane. I mean, to your point about the movies, you see that a lot where the heroine um, is always this like light-skinned girl and all her friends are like a lot darker than her and, and stuff. Like you never see those darker girls play that main roles, as yep. you just said. Yeah. And they're not representative of the majority of the Indian or at least South Indian population. Yeah. Like most people are dark. They pluck out like random fair skin people from or maybe you know, European yeah. girls mm. to take on yes, our roles. Exactly. Let's get into that. <laughs> Amy. Amy Jackson Amy for episode Amy three. Jackson. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, we actually did a, an episode where we um, ripped into her a little bit oh. with someone a couple of episodes ago. But anyway, yeah. exactly. Or they get a European yeah. woman. And um, a particular movie sticks out to me. Have you seen Chennai Express? Yes. So it's a Hindi movie. So Shara Khan's a main actor, but he falls in love with a South Indian girl and Deepika Padagone plays that. The South Indian girl. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, you you really see the contrast in the way that North and South Indians are portrayed in that movie. Like the Tamil people in that movie are like extremely dark, like barbaric, violent, thug-like people. And you see like Shara Khan who's like almost angelic in a way. And that movie really annoyed me Mm. because of that. Um, so you see it a lot and it's weird because to your point before, Sandin, about South Asians discriminating within one another, it, it, like you can clearly see that in that yeah. movie. Yeah, that lack of representation and growing up, like not being able to see yourself as like a powerful character or a smart, intelligent woman. You know, you're you're either the housekeeper or you're mm. the evil lady, like the yeah. rowdy lady yeah, in like exactly. Duel. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or like, you're, like that's when they give the darker skinned person yeah. a yeah. role or they're taking light-skinned people and then they're black-facing them to take on our roles yeah. to narrate our stories, yeah. which doesn't make any exactly. sense to me because yeah, we have perfectly capable people yeah. who can take on these roles. Yeah, even looking at advertising in South Asia, it's usually using fair-skinned people um, and with skin lighting products like Fair and Lovely Creams, the whole campaign is like your life is going to be hard unless you use our products to look less dark mm. as if like this is what you need to do to become successful in life yeah and what makes it worse is having actors and actresses who in that part of the world hold so much influence and power um promoting these problematic products yeah. but you know what i also think i also think that we all live in very different bubbles mm. so we can speak to our experiences because we have a similar upbringing we live in this western society because i always wonder like how are these actresses doing this but then i talk to some of my followers in india and they talk about how like their families still blatantly insult them over their yeah. complexion and call them karapi and and karapi means blackie in like a very derogatory way. Mm. Like things that 
would not be considered normal in Australia still happen in India. So Mm -hmm. I'm so curious to be a fly in the wall for these celebrities and understand what their lifestyle is like and what do they talk about. Like how educated are they on the topic of colorism? Sometimes I just want to go spend a year in India and just go to these sets and go find these casting directors and just pick their brains and be like, why do you pick these people? Like what's motivating you to actually take on that campaign? How much do you know? What do you guys talk yeah. about? Have you ever had anyone say this is wrong? Or are you across the conversations happening? Do you read these stories? Or are you so busy? You're not actually across where we're currently at yeah. in the 21st in century. Topic, right? So you don't even get the the, the critical feedback yeah. where they're yeah. like, you shouldn't do this. Or are they in an industry where they're like, they can't speak because then they're not going to get opportunities. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it really does manifest with younger kids as well. I mean, I remember that video that you put up on your Instagram um, and your YouTube around the little girl in Jaffna who was saying that she was too dark and she won't look beautiful at her wedding, but because her sister's lighter skin, she would look more beautiful. And she was like, what, six years old? To think that someone that young is thinking these things already is just heartbreaking. And where does that come from? She said it as a fact. She, yeah. she didn't even blink an eye if yeah. you watch that footage. Yeah. She's saying yeah. it with a smile. Yeah, yeah. she was saying she's with a like, smile. Oh, I've accepted like, you know it. That, like, that's um, what I'm like. Kunsiripu. Like, we were just vlogging the trip and I had I had a small bag of makeup in Sri Lanka. I don't know why I took makeup because it just melts off your face anyway. And so these two young girls had seen it and they're like, oh, like, Akka, can you please put this makeup on us? So the youngest happens to be the lighter skinned one. And so we were just having a bit of fun and then she's like, my little sister would make such a beautiful bride. And I naturally went, and what about you? She was like, no, what? Like, are you kidding? No, I'm darker, duh. But in like Tamil. Yeah. Mm. And I was so taken back by it because I'm like, did I just hear this right? You're six. Yeah. You're saying mm. six or five even. And I was blown away and I had to give her the pep talk that I wish someone had given me because mm. when she said that, I, I stopped and I saw me. Yeah, yeah. I saw little me always being pushed to the back or looking in the mirror, hating myself. Like it was like truly a moment and I'm like, hell no, I am not letting this moment escape. And I gave her the pep talk and I really didn't think about it and we posted it. But then it got reposted again and then Mindy Kaling picked yeah. it up. I was about to say, yeah. yeah. So, and then Mindy Kaling told the world that this was my daughter. So then I suddenly became, <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was her caption. Her caption was, oh, everyone should take example from this young mother here. Oh, <laughs> waiting for her daughter. And I was like, if Mindy Kaling wants me to be a mom and wants, me, wants her to be my daughter, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be, I'll, I'll, she's my daughter now, guys. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single mom that never got married, you know. Um, no, uncle aunties, that's not true. Um, yeah, so that's what happened. But um, it was very interesting because I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people that said I got emotional watching that because yeah. I mm. saw younger me. But it mm. just hurts me that younger us was back in the 90s. Mm. Why are the kids of the yeah. 2000s where we were at in yeah, the 90s? Exactly. Like we're not moving it's forward. Not moved anywhere. And this is what I mean. We live in different bubbles because the bubble she lives in, in Sri Lanka, where the members of her family have perpetuated the idea. Yeah. Because how much exposure does a six-year-old get? They're yeah. not on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're not out and about having a social life. The yeah. furthest they probably go to is a tuition class, the temple and school. Yeah. So even with those very few touch points, it's already been ingrained in her brain. Yeah, Yeah, it's like with saying things like that, you're misfocusing what a child should be thinking about at that age. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of thinking about all the things that she's good at, she's just thinking about this one, you know, perceived flaw, right? I listened to another podcast that you were on where you spoke about how as a child you had this trait where 
when you saw someone else who was sitting by themselves or you mm. thought they were lonely, your instinct would be to go and like go and help them. Yeah. That's such a powerful thing as a child mm. for someone to focus all their energy and then consequently your energy in thinking about the fact that you're darker than everyone else yeah. and fixating on that, you're pulling away from all those really great things that are your strengths. Yeah. That like shift of focus is going to, you know, perpetuate so many internal issues. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like it, not only for the child, like if, you know, she has so much joy to spread to other people, if she's not able to do that because she's got issues, issues and yeah. insecurities, yeah. Issues, yeah. then like it's not only like a her problem, it's an everyone problem. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. And like it's a very superficial thing. Thing as well it's literally genetic and something that happens because of the sun yeah and it's like you're focusing on something that you literally i mean you cannot change like if we take a step back and think about this concept of colorism it's purely based on the amount of melanin in yeah. someone's skin mm. no one's committed a crime no one's a bad person it's just you were born and someone has extra melanin to someone else but the way it's manifested in this world mm. and how people are put down and discriminated and segregated or people don't want to marry them. or Like even as a six-year-old, like if we were to write down what should a six-year-old even be thinking about, yeah, we would be like uh, exploring the world, yeah, yeah. figuring exactly. out being what, kind to others yeah, yeah. Like figuring out who they are yeah. maybe learning to read maybe learning their times table yeah. not fixating on their appearance yeah. at six That's years so old toxic. or hating on their color and already having insecurities people always say kids are so carefree like we should be more like them because yeah. they don't yeah. care yeah. they don't discriminate like they want to be yeah. friends with everyone exactly. and they want to talk to everyone you learn all these things as adults but then you see these little kids you know, pulling at their faces and their stomachs and their bodies and it gets younger and younger thanks to social media. Yeah. Um, and it just boggles my mind because she should be outside, I don't know, playing kalitatu or hopscotch or something in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Why is she even thinking about being a bride at yeah, the age of six? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that your ultimate goal yeah. and destination? Yeah. That's another That's topic. whole yeah. problem in itself. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and to your point before, like where did this child get these ideals from? It's obviously the people around them. Yeah. They yeah. don't realise how much toxicity is being interweaved through families and, and into yeah. these children yeah. and how much it really affects them. And she probably Over gets the color from her family. Yeah. So they're also yeah. probably as dark as she is, yeah. unfortunately. But they'll still perpetuate it because yeah. unfortunately it was perpetuated to them. To them, yeah. exactly. It's just Gone an ongoing back decades cycle. and centuries, yeah. right? I was watching a couple of documentaries about the topic. They asked just like everyday people on the streets in India, uh, what do you think about colorism? Mm -hmm. And everyone acknowledged that it was a big issue. But they were all just kind of like, you know, but like it is what it is, mm. you know, like there were people who were saying that they go through medical procedures to lighten their skin, not for jobs in the media, but just like normal office jobs, right? Like yeah. you need to have a certain complexion to increase your chances of, you know, getting an interview or landing yeah. a job. Mm. And, they, and, and they asked a guy who was doing these procedures, like as a doctor, you know, this industry, skin lightening is worth billions of dollars and it's growing do you recognize a problem you're perpetuating by doing these procedures on people? And he was like, yeah, like, I know I probably shouldn't be doing it, but you know, me as stopping it isn't really going to change anything. He makes money. There's a market it. for it and it's making me money. So, but the problem is because they, they think it is what it is. Mm. Yeah. They don't think it's an issue that can be solved. Be challenged. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I've had people say to me, why do you talk about it? Because it just, it is what it is. Eventually it'll get phased out. Eventually it'll stop. 
And I'm like, no, it won't. No, it won't. What do you mean? It's been decades. Yeah. It's been, been centuries. centuries. Yeah, exactly. And this is why we have to keep talking about it. And I really appreciate you guys dedicating an entire episode to it because we need people to listen to this and then we need people to talk to their families and, and everybody at some point in their life, most people will be in some kind of position of power. Okay, mm. You don't have to be the president of a country, but you might just be like you two. You know, you guys are in a position of power because you have a podcast and you get to choose who comes on as your guests. Or like, you know, I might do a photo shoot campaign and I need, I need to cast mm. models or you have to pick a team for something. Just to think about all the people that have been discriminated and think about how can we be more inclusive even just within our community. Yeah. Yeah. Like just because we're all people of color doesn't mean that we don't need to think about inclusivity and diversity. Yeah. It's so important that we also address it too. Yeah. We can't just keep screaming at white people to be more inclusive. Yeah. Like we got to do it within yeah. our own community. And, and like if we're discriminating amongst ourselves because of the color of our skin, how do we expect white people not to be racist against us? Like exactly. we're literally discriminating against one exactly. another. That's it. And like even in that position of power to your point like even when you're a parent like later in life or even like in a small way where like what you did with the little girl you know you were an authoritative figure for her because you're older than her and she respects what you're what you say in your opinion so the fact that you actually said no like you, you shouldn't be thinking that way is brilliant and it's yeah. what everybody should be doing because then it kind of starts that cycle and maybe she'll go off and and, and say that on. to someone else um yeah and it's important that we keep having these conversations as Definitely. well yeah for sure um, so something that for me, it didn't really click until a couple of years ago was how colorism also takes form in Western countries like Australia and the US. Um, even like even in the public eye, there's far less people with, you know, Viola Davis's complexion yep. compared to those like Beyonce or Kerry Washington. So, you mm. know, like everything around light skin privilege. Could you speak to some of the other examples of how colorism manifests outside of South Asia? Yeah, definitely. So even just to what you were just saying, if you're looking at Hollywood and you have a more stark representation of black people these days as opposed to mm -hmm. before, there's still a privilege for light-skinned people. As you mentioned, you've got Beyonce, you've got Rihanna, you've got Zendaya, you've got all these people that are very, very much light-skinned as opposed to the general black community. And then you've got certain people like Lupita and Viola mm. Davis who mm. are like the standouts that are still talking about colorism and they're still talking about the need for representation and diversity, even just from the black community. Yeah. Um, outside of that, if you're looking at the makeup industry, you know, um, we're still walking into stores and having to like try to find shades that cater to us. You know, we're looking at all these campaigns and ads in Sephora um, and we're looking at social media and we're looking at all these brands and are they catering to our complexion? Is there enough shades? Like it blows my mind that Fenty, mm. Fenty became so viral and famous, but Rihanna just catered to everyone. And yeah. I, and I, and I always wonder why are we so backwards that we have to give a massive round of applause because someone finally decided mm. everyone deserves a foundation shade and not just the 20 shades of white that exist mm. out there. So, you know, like there we have so far to go, but I just wonder all these massive brands that have these huge budgets mm. and ginormous teams, why it just hasn't been a matter of fact, because isn't it profitable to be yeah. able to cater yeah. to more people than exactly. just your small, even with color? Like why has it taken us so long to create products that are friendly for our complexion? Why did we have to look like cake-faced people, you know, trying to blend in a foundation that didn't work out? Why? Shouldn't it just be standard for every freaking brand to just give out 
foundation shades for everyone i swear they'll see such a massive profit but they don't yeah Yeah. and films we're slowly starting to see it with my three ramakrishnan in Mm -hmm. never have i ever but why is it such a big deal because there is not enough of it Mm. that we're celebrating it and it what we're in 2021 now so why isn't anyone sitting down and thinking even just strategically even just profitability wise Mm. let's cater to everyone more of these yeah Yeah. they're not going to lose out they're only going to gain but apparently it's still not like I, I the, my dad made this point yesterday. We had a meeting for something, and he was like, "You know what I realized? I realized that we are surrounded by stupidity. <laughs> common sense and logic is just not a common trait these days." He's like, "We've evolved as humans, and stupidity has remained, and logic, common sense, isn't as common." 100%. Like, if you have logic and common sense, a wise man. <laughs> you're an outlier <laughs> yeah. in the community. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, up, I've never heard true words. You know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't yeah. exist. I don't know if you guys ever saw, there was an ad that H&M did. They did a campaign, uh, kids' clothes. Oh, yes. You know where I'm going with mm-hmm. this one? Do you want to give some context around it? Yeah, it was around, they promoted kids' clothes and they put a, a black kid in like a monkey onesie or something like that oh this and yeah. they didn't even think about yeah, yeah. the context yeah, yeah. behind they it they put or the white kid in a lion yeah. or some yeah. other animal yeah. and then they put the black kid in the ape slash monkey slash gorilla I don't remember yeah. some kind of monkey yeah, design like, like the number of people it'd have to go through approval to actually launch it you'd yeah. assume that someone along the line would have been like guys I think there's something yeah, maybe up here. we shouldn't do this yeah, yeah exactly. but do you know what that speaks to it just means that there's a lack of diversity because if you had a person of color yeah. or you had a black person in the team, 100% they would have picked Someone it up. Someone would have yeah. called it out. But if yeah. you have straight, cisgendered white people all in, in the team who are not as exposed or just don't get it because they've never been in the shoes of this or they're just not work, it's definitely going to go out and then you're going to deal with so much more money dealing with the publicity behind mm. that and revamp your brand and image. So yeah. mm. there's so much. It's like you need more diversity in the workplace. You need more inclusivity. You need to be catering to everyone. You need to be talking to the people that are affected and impacted. If you yourself are not across those now narratives talk to the people Mm. because the people want to throw money at you they want to give you the feedback they want to say hey i want this in these shades Mm. i want this in this size they are happy to give you their feedback yeah they they don't have anywhere to go to buy stuff that caters to them so they're going to give you the feedback like even in the south asian community You've got all these clothing brands that are coming out and they're doing these campaigns, right? Like, you know, they're launching their Lenga brands and Sari brands mm-hmm. and things. But if you look at the type of models that they're casting, they're also light skin. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you guys are well involved in these conversations happening on social media. You're using influencers as your models. You see the conversations happening, but you're still doing it. Like yeah. we complain about movies and stuff. Mm. They're going to look at us and go, you do it within your own little opportunities and things that you guys host. Yeah. So yeah. who cares about what the movies are doing? Yeah. And to your point around the role of marketing and branding, like even if you look at like in Asia with like K-pop, a lot yeah. of um, the like BTS yeah. uh, K-pop bands, they either select people who are light skin or they do a lot of editing to make sure yeah. they look How very do pale. Them up, yeah, like crazy. So, you know, like what kind of messages does that yeah. send? Yeah. Um, and then I you look at the, sorry, just to add, then you look at the white community and they're out on the beaches yeah, and they're trying, trying to get yeah. a tan. Yeah. And oh there's like God. tanning companies and tanning brands yeah. and the darker you are, the better you look, especially yeah. in Australia. Your surfer girl, surfer boy are super tan people with like, blondish hair yeah. but the darker they are they're apparently the better yeah the paler they are they hate it yeah like, i look it's so like pasty and pale yeah. i yeah. look sick without makeup i have to look more talented you know yeah. so it's so crazy because everyone outside of the white community wants to prioritize 
white white light white, white light but then the white committee like no nah, no nah, that was so last year bruv yeah. <laughs> we want to be we dark now yeah. yeah and to your point before about how the brands um who were not using diverse models in their shoots it's crazy because like you would think that at least our generation now will be aware of it yeah. and maybe that's just like ignorant and because we're in our bubble and i'm in my bubble I, mm. I think that way yeah but you would think that at least after all this discourse that they would be conscious of that in their own branding and their own modeling and it's but not even an, an accessibility that, issue either yeah it's not mm. there's so many people available just, on just go on instagram exactly people so many yeah. people want to people so many people like there. i want to be a model yeah. i want to see myself represented yeah. they'll do it for free yeah. Exactly. Will, your customers will be your yeah. biggest brand yeah. ambassadors. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes I just have to go back to what my dad said. I was just about <laughs> to say, insert your dad's quote here. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. I guess, you know, you touched on this a little before, but what has your experience with colorism been? Like, when did it first click for you that colorism was an issue? Yeah, good question. So, before I tell you when it clicked to me, it started the day I was born. And the reason I know this is because I've been told about the conversations that happened in the hospital room. And it wasn't told in like, oh, did you know this happened? It was just like mm. a natural, yeah, when you were born, like we looked behind your ear and, you know, it was very pink. So we already knew that you were going to be a dark child. So I'm just thinking like, I thought when babies are born, they're like happy and they're like, yeah. oh, so cute. But yeah. apparently, you know, my complexion was being inspected by my extended family. I don't think that was my mother's priority. And I don't think my dad had a clue about any of this stuff. Uh, but that was a conversation that happened as I was born. Mm. When did it click to me? When did I know that there was a, such a thing called colorism and the whole time that I was being shoved to the back at Tamil school or mm. any other events was because of my complexion? It would have had to be when... I was handed over fair and lovely creams and I was told to do turmeric masks. And, you know, aunties were starting to say, like, like, what happened to her? She got darker. And they'd look at my parents in like a, how dare how you, you let, let her get darker? Get yeah. Yeah. And that's the first thing I'm hearing. That's the first way I'm being embraced. So either my complexion so toxic. or my body. I gained weight. My sister, lighter skin, skinnier, size four, tall, all of that. So that comparison and constantly being critiqued, that's when it clicked to me that, oh, so the reason that like people treat me differently was because I was darker. I can't actually tell you exactly what age, but you know, when you start to mature and you start to care a bit more about how you look, you look and yeah. you know, boys are starting to tease you and you're not being taken seriously. And then, you know, I was being called Chandramukhi and Raccoon and all these like random things from boys in our grade. And so that's when like things started to click and I'm like, whoa, it all came down to my complexion. So mm. I have to now go and get myself lighter. I believed it. I genuinely believed it. So every time an auntie gave me a recommendation for a mask, I happily took it on. I was like, right. oh my God, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Tell me. So what is it? Okay, so turmeric with yogurt with lemon and honey. Is that what you did? Oh, okay. How many times a week? Like, I took it down like a prescription from the doctor. Like, tell yeah. me exactly what to do to cure this. I thought it was a disease. I thought it was something I had to get rid of mm. in order to be taken seriously. In order to even accept myself as beautiful, I needed to be lighter. Yeah. Because I was brainwashed. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's the point that we're talking to before, right? Because if as a child, you're fed this toxic thought that you had to correct this thing about yourself, yeah. of course you're going to, to listen to these people who mm. you think, oh, they're aunties and uncles, they have my best interests at heart. If they're telling me I should be 
using these products or making my skin lighter, maybe I really should be. Yeah. And like, you're, you're so impressionable at a young age, like everybody is. So it's yeah. not till you get older and kind of think for yourself and realize that all this stuff was wrong that you, you don't think critically at that age anyway. No. So you're yeah. just going to listen and every anybody would. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're starting off already on the back foot because you already think that you're less than everyone else who's around you. Yeah. Which yeah. At any age sucks, but being vulnerable at that age makes it, you know, a million times worse. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Romy, what have your experiences with colorism been? So what you were saying before, Swarna, about how if you're lighter, people are like, oh, like, are you Sri Lankan? Are you Tamil? That happens to me so much. And I'm like low-key offended. I'm like, yeah. yes, I am. Like, is that the first thing you associate with Tamil people or yeah. South Indian people? Mm. The fact that we're all just blanket dark or yeah. light or like whatever it is. Like, is that complexion the first thing you think of when you think about us? Yeah. So I get that a lot. Like yeah. people think I'm half something or not Sri Lankan or not Tamil at all. Um, and like even people who hadn't seen me for many years will see me later and be like, oh my God, you were so much fairer as a kid. What happened? And I'm just like, what? How could you let yourself yeah, get darker? Yeah, mm. and I, I like... I know people like aunties and stuff who refuse to go to the beach with us or who will wear like giant hats and giant sunglasses. You can't even see them because not because they're worried about skin cancer, by the way, Yeah, because they're worried purely just about getting darker. Yeah. yeah. So the, you know, the, that still manifests now. Do you know how many yeah. girls like, are not allowed to go on a hens because their mums are like, they're you ain't, hello, hello, you are not going to Bali before the wedding. <laughs> Absolutely not. Do the yeah. hens and bucks after you get married. Actually, <laughs> the boys don't get, get stopped. No. Because no. we, we were going on a hens to Bali for one of my girls and, and they were like, are you guys stupid or what? You're going to go to Bali and you're going to mm. go prance around the beaches and you're going to come back like 10 million shades darker. And I'm like, and? Yeah. So we want to create memories and celebrate our girl before she bites the dust. So if we're going to get darker, so be it. We want to prance that. around. Yeah. I love that. Because there's more to life than what other people think about us, right? Yeah. And like there's more to life than the color of your skin. I just don't get it. And like I hear like comments being made of like, again, like aunties and uncles around me where they're like describing a woman and they go, oh, she's beautiful. She's fair skin. Like it's it's always followed or with she, she's yeah. fair skin. She's you know? great, but pardon, she's dark. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. You hear that one All as well. All the time. Yeah. And I have taken it on as my mission to call it out every time I hear it. Because if we're at events and some other auntie says it, my mom will literally be like telling her to hush, hush, yeah. because I'm about to lose she's my shit. She's about to come for you. <laughs> yes, because it's like, good. Like, yeah, she's a beautiful girl. She's very fair and very beautiful, but you'll never hear she's very dark and beautiful. It'll be, she's very dark but beautiful or she's yeah. very beautiful mm, but yeah. dark but. like how yeah. is she beautiful if she's dark yeah because like, the two can't be synonymous yeah what yeah. is it um yeah, yeah. and i've heard, actually i remember hearing that line it's okay that she's dark because she has very sharp features and i remember taking that on as the biggest compliment of my life mm. i was like because all my life i've been told i was dark and i'm dark and i'm dark and i thought i'm ugly i'm ugly that line empowered me. It shouldn't have, mm. but it empowered me. And mm. I'm like, oh, I have sharp features. So I guess it's okay, even though I'm dark. Mm. No, I can have sharp features and be dark and still be beautiful. Yeah. Like, mm. why do you need to say I have sharp features to like compensate for yeah. the fact that I'm dark? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Doesn't exactly. make any sense to and me. And like the fact that even now, like the color of your skin is used to describe someone mm. is just ridiculous like yeah. if you want to call someone beautiful call that person beautiful but why does it have to be followed with but it's a shame they're dark or 
um, they're beautiful, but they're light skin. Like, yeah. why does that even have to be part of the? I still get discourse. DMs from girls, and it's heartbreaking, and it's so interesting because I get DMs from girls from different countries, so I see how the issue differs, and this is why right. I always go back yeah. to the bubble that we yeah. live in because some of the DMs that I get are from girls in India, and it blows my mind because that shit will not fly in Australia and they're just like my parents are forcing me to get married and I've had like already 20 guys have come through to see me but then they see that I'm dark and the parents don't accept me and then they Mm. leave and some of them have said like I've even had conversations with some of the guys where we were really hitting it off but then the parents have said no and then the boy also submisses to what the parents are sending Mm. yeah you are dark and then our kids are going to be dark and yeah boohoo and I'm like Oh, like, does that happen here? Maybe it's a bit more subtle here. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good point that we didn't discuss earlier on how this issue plays in um, prospective marriage. Mm. Because you see when people in South Asia advertise that they're ready for marriage, um, a lot of the time what's at the top of their criteria for the kind of partner they're looking for is fair, fair, beautiful woman. Mm. You know what worries me even more? So my mum helps... um, Pair people up like a marriage broker or whatever you want to call it. Can I get your <laughs> Can I get your profile? <laughs> Jada, <laughs> Herm, Horoscope, <laughs> everything. I'll pass it on. And I hear those conversations that people have with my mum when mm. they give the details or whatever. And I know a family, she's a couple of shades darker than me. And I remember her parents saying, like, you know, they have to start the process of searching for the right partner earlier. And their justification is, you're dark. It's harder for you. Yeah. You're 22. Like, I got to start now in order for you to be married by 28. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, you're stressed because you have a dark-skinned daughter and you're like, we need Goodness. to we need to capture the market and start, <laughs> like, you know, because no one's going to accept our daughter. And it breaks my heart. Like, you're speaking about your own daughter yeah. like this because it's so ingrained. So imagine how they would have brought her up. Their confidence was brought down at such a young age that they didn't even have the confidence to go out and find someone because they were like, but I'm dark. Yeah. And like the reasoning behind it yeah, as well. That's what it yeah. is. What it's like, what makes it even more ridiculous. It's not yeah. because like I'm ready for marriage, but I haven't met anyone yet. So I'm happy for people to set me up. It's like that narrative of life is harder because you're darker. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like we must start this process now. And it's like, you could meet someone when you're 25, but if you're- Or 35. Ingr- exactly. Or exactly. And so if you're like 22 and you have it in your head that you're never going to meet anyone because you're dark- you wouldn't even pursue anything. You wouldn't even go out there and put like yourself out after. there. You're you don't feeding even the empowered. inferiority complex. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's it. You don't even have confidence. Yeah. Because it's already been brought down anyway. Exactly. So how are you going to go out there and, and embrace you? Mm. Yeah, and no one's mm. thinking about all those other positive things about yourself either. Because yeah. everything is redundant. Yeah. If you're, if yeah. You're yeah, they're just fixated on the color of your skin. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sen, then as a guy, what have your experiences been like? Because I'm like genuinely wondering if guys actually face this on a day-to-day. So I definitely think it's an issue which unfortunately women have to confront and navigate more intensely than men do. Um, I don't think I've been affected by it too much, um, at least directly, I mean. And I think, like, like I can't recall having a conversation with um, another guy about how we've been personally affected by colorism. I would challenge you on that. Really? Yeah, but I'll let you at finish. Least, okay, so at least in my adult life, in my bubble, I don't think I personally have directly felt it. Mm. Um, but my twin brother is fairer than mm. me. 
And we have a grandma figure who, like, we now joke with how, like, when we were younger, she would gravitate towards him more and want to carry him mm. because he was fairer and that was, you know, more cute or whatever. Yeah. And I have family members who have been heavily impacted by it. Um, one in particular who has been through, like, a lot. But um, I won't share that story because I haven't asked them. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, I definitely feel like, unfortunately, in terms of gender dynamics, it does, the, the hurdles do skew kind of one way yeah mm. have you never experienced it in primary school have you I, never I experienced think, a joke okay, like the so lights I are guess, off we can't see i guess yeah i hadn't thought of that because yeah i think you're right because i think in my head i've always considered that racism right mm. yeah so that's i guess the misdefinition other yeah, yeah the disconnect between our definitions yeah well mm. yes that makes sense if you went to a predominantly white school and then that joke was made it's more of a racist remark but if you had another person that was South Asian, but they were only perpetuating it towards you, then that's obviously colorism. Right. Mm. Um, the reason I challenge you is because I'm also working on a colorism documentary and the director, she's also a dark-skinned Tamil girl. And we've been interviewing uh, different people because we want to explore the intersectionalities of colorism in the black community, indigenous communities, mm. queer Tamil community. Nice. And it's more intense than we thought because we start peeling and we're like holy shit there's so many layers yeah so she's been in these interviews and sometimes she doesn't even know what questions to ask because she feels like she's never experienced it no you've experienced it but you don't even you realize you've experienced yeah. it yeah. you've just dismissed it or put it under the rug because it's so common mm. but you've definitely experienced yeah. colorism like it's not just some people are handpicked to go through it mm. um so the reason i challenge you is because I feel like guys don't get the opportunity to talk about it much. Um, and I think there are a lot of guys out there that have experienced it, but don't have the right safe spaces to talk about it because I've had private DMs. So when I, whenever I talk mm. about it, I get private DMs from guys from our community that go, I experience it, but I don't know how to talk about it mm. because not enough guys are talking about it. Mm. And it's very similar. Like, you know, they've been discriminated against. It still happens. It probably doesn't happen to the extent that the females experience it because we've got the beauty industry yeah. and the makeup industry and the fashion industry yeah. perpetuating it to us. Um, not to say that makeup isn't for other genders and, you know, we're becoming more and more inclusive now, but just speaking from you know, what's happened over the years, I think boys have experienced it, but just probably not to the extent that yeah, we have. Yeah, I think, I think that's the right phrase. It's definitely there, just not to the extent because, yeah. mm. you know, you're never going to have an auntie say, oh, he's great, but, you know, poor thing, he's darker, right? Yeah. Because 99% of the time they're saying that to a woman, not yeah. a guy. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, this conversation is educating me because in my head, I always saw comments like that as racism, mm. but there's also that added layer of, it could be colorism That's as it. a, you know, a subplot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess speaking of this, you're obviously in a great place in terms of self-acceptance and loving who you are. And you really advocate that through your social media. Like everyone can see it. Um, how have you gotten to where you are now? I'm sure it was tough to get there given all the stuff that you've been through. But yeah, how have you gotten there to where you are now? And what advice can you give to some other girl or guy who's facing it too? Yeah, look, it's been a tremendous journey, yeah. a tumultuous journey to say the least. Uh, but I have to thank social media actually yeah. because I didn't really know much about colorism or the concept of it. I didn't even realize that other people were going through it. Like I was so fixated on me. I didn't even think about all the other dark skinned people that were in my life that were probably going through the same experiences as I was. But 
when I got access to social media and started seeing these campaigns like the unfair and lovely campaign mm. and I started seeing these narratives of other people articulating word for word what I went through I felt empowered because suddenly I felt like I wasn't the only one yeah. because sometimes when you're subjected to this kind of like form of bullying or discrimination or whatever you don't sit there going oh I'm not the only one there are other people just like me yeah. you don't unite until you start reading the experiences or hearing about the experiences and then going, well, like I'm not the only one. And so when I came onto social media and I started to see more and more people talk about it, that's when my healing journey began because mm. I started to heal through just understanding that one, I wasn't alone in this journey. Sure. Two, it's, it, was, it had nothing to do with me as a yeah. person. It was purely complexion. And to read these diverse perspectives and all these diverse experiences... It was very cathartic for me. Mm. But I think the most therapeutic part of the whole thing was when I shared my story. Mm. Because my story is my story, right? Mm. So for me to write out my story and do these photo shoots and campaigns and use my platform to talk about something that has like plagued my life, really, it was very cathartic for me to see that other girls were feeling empowered by me sharing my story. Mm. And so as I kept reading, like every day logging on and being bombarded with DMs and messages and comments saying, I went through this, I went through this, oh my God, I'm the same as you. And then seeing all these confident melanin girls going, no, nah, but I don't care anymore. This is why representation is so important. Exactly. Because when there is no representation, people will have a really low self-esteem. Yeah. Because sure. they have Optic. no idea what is their potential. You know, if you don't have a, a Muslim doctor on a show or a, I don't know, a black president or yeah. a, mm. a South Asian um, heroine in a Hollywood film or a person in a wheelchair, part of the NASA team that flies to the moon, you know. Yeah. But if we don't see that kind of representation, you can't dream it for mm. me. Because mm. how would I know what's possible if I don't see it visually yeah. represented yeah. or talked about? You see that pathway. You yeah. see that pathway. So growing up, I never saw girls that looked like me in the movies because that's what I had access to. I didn't have a social life when I was a kid. Hell no, my dad didn't let me go to parties till I was in university. He was like, you got to do your HSC, mate. Like that's your priority, selective test, OC test. So like my social life was summer school, primary school and tutoring. Mm. And then the only other access I had to the rest of the world was films, mm. films and music videos and books. So when I came onto social media and I started to see these everyday girls just like me, similar upbringing, going, I don't care anymore now. I love me. And they're like embracing them. I started to feel empowered. Yeah. And then like, it was like a domino effect. So yeah. I saw it happen. I saw the stories being shared. I realized I wasn't alone. I started to see the shoots and then I started doing my own shoots. I f also feel like I built my confidence through the shoots mm. because I started to see myself in a way that like I never thought I'd see myself because I never saw girls like me in shoots and campaigns like glammed up and all of that. So mm -hmm. to have these teams that were willing to do makeup on me and, you know, photograph me in the best angles and do shoots and then having brands like, I want to send you outfits and I want to, like I was like mm -hmm. feeling super empowered, mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like people want to see me wear their stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing shoots, but I didn't realize the impact it was having on my audience yeah. because a lot, of, a lot of them were like, whoa, I look like her and yeah. look at her being, she's yeah. got all these opportunities and she's rocking it. And I kept using these photos to talk about my experiences and I kept sparking the dialogue. And I think through my own posts, I was empowering myself. Yourself. Yeah. yeah. You you pretty much became the person that you wish you saw when yes. you were growing yeah, up. And sure. then you saw yourself in those photos and went, 
like it was like you almost as someone else. Yeah, mm. oh, I don't yeah. know if that's I, how I you saw me as a different it. person. Yeah. I didn't see me like yeah. the life of a social butterfly was also a creator for me mm. because yeah. I'm Swana. And yeah. It's like what you guys are seeing now is Swana. You're not yeah. seeing the life of a social butterfly because she only exists online in writing if that mm. makes sense so i saw me as a different like an alter yeah. ego online so yeah. i was yeah. feeling just as empowered as everyone else yeah because like it was almost like i was an author breathing life into a character mm. and then that character becoming a part of me yeah if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so it helped with your own self-confidence yeah. as well to have that alter ego almost yeah. but it's really you yeah but it's just reflected in a different way to even empower you yeah yeah sure. that's so it. you're doing this like a really big and powerful thing to change the narrative with lots of things yeah. one of which is colorism but if you were to spread a message to our community and beyond about how we can change how we look at colorism and our attitudes towards it what would you tell them first and foremost do what these guys are doing talk about it Talk about it. Don't be afraid to bring it up at dinner or when you're at a family event. Bring it up because you'll be surprised at the deferring perspectives. You might think that everyone around you has a very similar perspective until you start talking about it. Mm. And someone might shock you because they live in a completely different bubble to you. And you need to have those conversations because then you have teachable moments. Mm. And don't be afraid because I know a lot of people feel like, oh, we're not subject matter experts. I have not done a PhD on this. I have no qualification under colorism. I just started talking about my own experiences. Yeah, exactly. And I think each and every one of us has something to say about it because we've all experienced it. So talk about it. Have those conversations with your mates, mm. you know. Also talk about it with the community that's not online. So like sure. our parents' Older generation yes. are not on Instagram and let's keep it that way, guys. But <laughs> <laughs> keep them on Facebook and WhatsApp, okay? <laughs> but um, talk to them mm. because we are running these campaigns and we're talking about it, but they're not listening to these podcasts. Mm. So talk about it in a language that actually they understand. Break it down. And the thing is, you may f not feel confident to talk about it because you're like, oh, I feel like I don't know enough. You start to become more confident the more you talk about it because then you'll notice when you don't have an answer to something. So honestly, just talk about it and you will find yourself in positions of power in the smallest ways or in the biggest ways. Don't wait to be the CEO of a company. Don't wait. You will have power in some way or form, whether yeah. it's I don't know, creating a little group, a skipping club or a book club or whatever. Just look at the representation. Look at the people that you're giving a voice to and help them have a voice. But for people that are going through colorism or still experiencing it or still facing insecurities around it and want to become more empowered, control your online environment. I think your external environment is a lot harder to control. But with your online community, start following people that make you feel empowered. Mm. Don't If you're following someone and you feel some kind of jealousy or you question your self-worth and validation, mute them. Mm. Like carefully curate your timeline because mm. we are a generation that spends so much time online. Don't look at profiles that trigger you. Mm. Start following creators that are more confident in their skin or more body positive and don't have your standard body or standard complexion. And follow hashtags that are around this. I follow those hashtags because I find it so much more empowering to see real girls with real bodies and it empowers me. It doesn't mm. make me go to bed feeling shit that I don't have the body that media wants to perpetuate. So consume content that makes you feel empowered and start talking about your experiences. It's so cathartic. Or journal it down, write it down, and call people out. Yeah. Call people out I in think, the nicest way. I think um, that's yeah. a big thing. I think with our generation, with people like you, we are starting to challenge those things that we do discriminate amongst our own people. Um, one thing that I love that one of my cousins does is 
when people make comments about color in our family, some people just choose to let it slide because we're like, uh, they're old, mm. whatever. They're not going to change their way. But she calls it out. And yep. She asks the, but why? Like, oh my but God, why I does need, that I matter? I need to meet this girl. And, you know, they'll have some bullshit excuse. And then you ask again, but why? Like, yeah. why does that matter? And you keep drilling down and you reach a point where they're like, they have nothing I have more to nothing say. They hit really their nose through the road. Like, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. why? Yeah, why? Yeah, why? why? why and then I that kind of starts story. a little bit of a conversation. Yeah. So definitely, definitely call it out. And call sure. it out nicely or call it out. You don't have to call it out rudely because I feel like when we call, even cancel culture, calling people yeah. out, like 100%. people don't yeah. learn. People yeah. don't learn when you're being mean to them or when yeah. you're being rude to them. And they'll just get defensive, right? Yeah, very defensive. Yeah. But be nice about it and be like, hey, so why? Why did you say that? I'm always saying why, why, why? I'm that annoying child. And then my parents get fed up with me. Like my mom's just like, okay. I get it, you know, and, and I can see that she's starting to understand it better now. You know, it's still years and years of unlearning. And that's yeah. another point. Mm. We are in a day and age where we have access to so many resources and so many different things. Focus on unlearning, mm. like unlearn what's been, what you've been brainwashed about yeah. and what you've been taught and educate yourself. Because if you don't understand the roots of why this is happening yeah. to you, like you, you go through this psychological trauma and, yeah. and because that's what I did and that's what helped me in my healing journey because I'm like, oh, this literally has nothing to do with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess um, you did touch on this a little bit before about the docker that's coming out. Um, but is there anything else that's coming up in the works? Yes. So as you mentioned, <laughs> there's a docker coming out. Um, and so it's been, we've been working on it for over a year actually um so the main team is based in australia so the Mm. directors and producers are in melbourne why they wanted to do the documentary was they heard about my book so i've been working on a book Mm -hmm. so the book is around colorism i wanted to share stories and empower people through a physical book reason i'm doing the book is because when i was 12 years old i came across a book by a asian doctorate on how you can lighten your skin through your diet that book damaged my life so Mm. much it really took over my life and that is the in-depth research i was doing at 12 to lighten myself oh my goodness and i came across this book and i don't know if you guys have watched charmed and you know how in charmed they have the spell book and Mm. they're like you know the holy bible and they're like okay we've got the potion book we're about to (laughs) cast a potion that's how i treated that book i didn't let anyone see that book or touch that book i thought I am going to unlock the mystery around my complexion and I am going to not do turmeric mask. I'm going to change my diet and I'm going to be light-skinned me. You know, the, the version that I create when I lighten my photos. And I am gonna and I was so proud of myself. I, I was so excited. I'd never been so excited by a book. She, you know what's going to happen? Some kid, not some kid, many kids are going to read your yep. book and it's going to have the opposite effects of how... You know, that crazy book. Yeah. That, that was you. the goal. So I wanted to create a book to replace that book mm. so that now young people can hold a physical copy of something that actually empowers them mm. for them to see these visuals of people that are like dark skin and feeling empowered and reading these stories. So that's why I, I started the book and I've been working on it for a couple of years. Now it's finally happening. So anyone who is listening to this episode, um, if you are someone who's gone through colorism and would like to share your story, mm. I would love to feature you in the book. So please hit me up through my email at thelifeofasocialbutterfly at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram and, and contact me there. But I would be more than happy to feature your stories. Um, so this whole process happening. So the producers were like, we would like to do a BTS of the production of the book. So 
doing the BTS mm. of the book and then segueing into different narratives. And so we're currently interviewing someone from South Sudan, Kenya, the first Tamil girl in Germany or even Europe to come out as queer, wow. who's also dark skinned. So there's major intersectionalities mm. there. Um, also trying to search for a voice in the indigenous community. So yeah, so that documentary is happening. Amazing. Awesome. So and I think the thing I love about your content is that it's so accessible and so relatable. Mm, so I think you. for, you know, for everything else that you've got in the works, even following your Instagram is such like a powerful you know, platform for you to share all of that. So yeah. everyone needs to go definitely yeah, check it definitely. out. Definitely, I appreciate that. Yes, Thanks guys. And, um, you know, something we're talking about outside of the podcast is how people like you who've started content creating within the South Asian community before anyone else has kind of paved the way for mm. people like Romy and myself to start what we're doing. So, you know, a big shout out to you for what Aww. you've yeah, done and everything you continue to do. You know, we've been recording for almost two hours. I feel like we could I, have I was for like, uh, I feel like Sandman's going to yell <laughs> yeah. at me because I kept seeing him, his eyes darted and I'm like, <laughs> he probably didn't anticipate me talking. I'm such a chatterbox and he's like, who's going to edit this five hour episode? <laughs> no, I think, no, but the thing so is that, valuable. the thing that this, not the scary thing, but like the beautiful thing is that there's so many other things we could talk to you about. So, you know, we're definitely going to need to get you to come back to talk about all the other amazing things that you're doing and you know, you're amazing and you've taught us so much. Oh, yeah, thank you so these much. These are so amazing. I just want to add that I am so freaking proud of both of you. Like we need more podcasts like this. And I really appreciate you guys creating a platform and elevating these voices and actually doing your research and picking out these topics that actually matter. Um, you guys are going to go places. I love your setup. I love the research you've done. I love the way you guys are running the conversation. And I wish you guys the utmost best with this journey. And I hope to see more and more episodes coming out and more opportunities coming your way. Pick my brains. I will happily help <laughs> you guys out. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so appreciate much. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. You can find Swana on Instagram at the life of a social butterfly. Make sure you go and check out all her awesome work. As for us, you can find us at stuck in between underscore podcast. Join us for our next episode where we interview young Australian of the year nominee, Dr. Sanjay Joseph on his work with newly arrived refugees. Catch you then. Bye.